Well, hello, and welcome back to another fine episode, scary episode, of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth, and I've got some creepy, creepy stuff for you today, ladies and gents. <laughs> All right, I'll quit being a ding-dong. Just uh, want to say hey, hey. So how is everybody? Glad you uh, hung out. Glad you uh, understood last week about my nephew passing and I didn't really have a whole lot. But I've got some good stuff for you today. Don't worry. Just want to say thank you guys for listening and subscribing and uh, loving the show, man. I love doing it. I was just bummed out last week, man. He was a kid. He died at 24 and it just, it kind of hit us all hard, you know, as a kid, so. But I'm uh, I'm mended. I'm doing good. But just want to say thank you to everybody for your patience and all that. But I'm back. We're going to do some fine episodes with you today, guys. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, since, you know, I live here in Texas. I live like an hour west of Fort Worth. And it's hot as hell here. It's getting up to 106. It's been ranging anywhere from 105 to 107. And they're calling in August for 110, a couple weeks of 110. So, uh, I noticed everywhere else around the United States, it's getting pretty fucking hot, too. And we're going through a goddamn drought. Everything's dry, drying up, too, down here. So, I figured we would do some haunted deserts or some spooky deserts around the world, you know? So, it was kind of weird. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, haunted deserts. But I just look in the United in the United States. Only in a, only got one in a Mexico. But I got some good stuff today. Well, I will stop rambling. And without further ado, we'll um, get on with the first uh, story here. What do you say, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> so remember. Sit back, relax, get a blanket, snuggle up by the fire, or by the TV, or whatever. Get you some hot cocoa or some coffee. Sit back and relax, because I'm going to scare you. All right. Okay, our first place we're going to cover is the haunted Anaza Barrigo Desert. And this is, uh, I believe, in... Uh, anyways, it should tell. I was trying to remember, but I couldn't. Oh, I got to get my reading specs on. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, and you guys on uh, listen to the audio part of this, don't forget now, there's a YouTube channel, too, I do. Look for it, called Ghost Stories Told from the South. You can see me switch out my reading glasses like an old man. All right. Oh, that's better. Okay, the first story of the haunted place is the White Horse Ghost of Valesto. Valesto is famous for its ghost. First history contain, uh, contains many murders, deaths, robberies, and other wicked tales. One well one well known story involves a double murder of 
Vallecito Station. It all started with a uh, stage holdup that uh, yielded uh, $65,000 worth of loot to four men in, uh, on horseback who robbed the eastbound stage stage before it reached Carrizo Wash en route to Vallecito Station. As the man fled the scene, the driver of the stagecoach uh, fired one shot, killing one of the uh, four men. When he reached the uh, thief he had, uh, he had shot, he found not one, but two dead bodies. The driver included that the uh, leader of the uh, band of thieves had shot one of his own men so he would not have to divide up the uh, loot. The bandit leader and the other uh, thieves survived the uh, robbery and rode on to the uh, rode on to rest at Valacito Station. Shortly before they arrived at the station, they had buried the loot in some nearby hills and rode into the station for a drink and some food. It is said that the uh, two bandits were arguing arguing while having a drink in the station. One of the bandits, the leader, went outside to check his horse, horse promising to, uh, to, conti- to continue the discussion. When he returned, he did return to the station, entering through the doorway, mounted on his uh, back, oh, his big white horse, and shot his companion. Oh, so he went outside, mounted his horse, and got in the doorway, uh, mounted on his horse, and shot the guy. Wow. That's fucking, uh, that's pretty ballsy, man. It's like, hey, I'm going to shoot you, but not only am I going to shoot you and kill you, I'm going to jump on my horse. And walked this son of a gun into this uh, saloon. And I'm going to kill you. What do you say to them apples? Sorry. Sometimes I feel like my glasses are crooked. I don't know. Maybe it's just me because I'm crooked. As the uh, wounded bandit was dying. He drew his gun and fired back at the leader. Killing him dead from the back of his brave white mount. The white horse spooked by the gunfire and death of his master, ran off into the hills. It is said that when uh, someone is in the uh, valley around midnight near the location where the bandits uh, buried their loot, the ghost of the white horse will appear from no will appear from out of nowhere, galloping through the sand and then disappearing without a trace. Wow. See, that's pretty cool right there too, man. I like stories like that. But <clears throat> that makes you wonder sometimes, like these, these people's loot, <clears throat> it never got um, they ne- never never got it back, so it's still buried wherever it was buried, and no telling where it is now, because you know the earth changes some, the landscape changes, and it just always makes me wonder how much how much uh, loot's buried out there. All right, now we're going to talk about the Phantom. Stagecoach of Carrizo. Not far from Vallecito is Carrizo. Is Carrizo Wash. Where the... There we go. 
Uh, I'm going to set up and read this a little. So if I'm a little too close to the camera, I'm a little sorry. But I don't think I'm that bad. Okay, not far from Vallecito is Carrizo Wash, where the uh, Phantom Stage stage forgives forgives its way through the deep sand, pulled by a team of uh, four mules on moonlight on moonlit nights. So you can see this Phantom Stagecoach on moonlit moonlit nights. They say the Phantom Stagecoach is driven by a lone driver, hitched over his. Uh, Hitched, that still make any sense. It's a lone driver hitched over as it, oh, hunched over as he, as if he was asleep. No passengers are seen in this, on the stagecoach when it passes through Carrizo Wash, uh, Hantis hesitating for only a minute, excuse me, as if planning to stop at the, uh, place where the Carrizo station once stood. But now only a pile of mud. The Phantom Stage continues to pass the old station until out of sight. In the morning, one may think twice about actually seeing the Phantom Stage coach until he sees the ruts by one uh, the ruts covered from the wagon or from the wagon wheels and hoof prints left behind from the ghostly stagecoach that travels by one by one occasion if it's kept to the trail alive. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, not only are you going to question yourself and be like, did I just see what I think I did? And then you go outside and there's freaking hoof prints in the road. Hmm. See, shit like that makes me think, man. You know. It's just, uh, there's just some stuff out there that science cannot explain. You can't explain every bump in the night. It ain't over yet. Oh. There is another story that consists of with the uh, Phantom Stagecoach. In the uh, 1860s, before the the stage line closed... A special stage set out from the uh, El Paso, from El Paso, headed to, headed for San Diego, with a box of coins. The stage that carried the coins had one driver and a guard. When the stage reached Yuma, Arizona, the guard fell ill, and the driver continued on without him. That same stage was held up by robbers somewhere in the area. Where the route, um, oh, where the route goes into Carrizo Wash between the uh, Fish and Coyote, uh, Fish and Coyote Mountains. The driver was shot during the robbery, and the and the thieves stashed the coins in the south slope of the Fish Mountain. Coins remain there still to this day. They say because there were no, there were too many soldiers passing by on trail. It is said that after the robbery, the Dead River in the uh, stage continued through Carrizo towards Vallecito Station, but the station disappeared, never to be seen again. Oh, but the stage disappeared. 
Oh, I see what it's saying. That's crazy, man, to see something like that. I mean, it's one thing to see a ghost, but see like a big old apparition of a horse and an actual stagecoach pulling something? That would be crazy. All right, now we got the Ghost Lights of Barrigo. Okay, this is about the state park. Here we go. Okay, first accounts of the Phantom Lights of Barrigo was reported in 1858 by, by Butterfield stage driver since the soldiers, uh, prospectors, and explorers have reported seeing similar lights. The sightings have been reported near Arflamia Mountains over the Barrico Valley and the uh, other nearby areas. The occurrences are always slightly, dif slightly different, but the general description of the uh, lights are the same. In 1892, a prospector by the name of Charles Knowledges, or Charles Knowles, and two other men were camping near Grapevine Canyon at the entrance of the Narrows, where the where they reported their seeing of a of fireballs. Knowles described the lights as balls of fire that rose up apparently 150 feet in the air and then exploded. And he compared the fireballs to fireworks. He saw three fireballs and and upon and they went up in the air and exploded. Before they stopped, about thirty minutes later, the lights started again, but this time they were different. The lights rose into an arch pattern, returning to the ground without exploding. The light would then res uh reverse itself and go back to the place where it uh, started that would be some wild shit right there scientists have tried to determine a uh, an explanation for these ghost lights one scientist explains it suggests that the wind blows against quartz outcropping static electricity is created which could look like Bright lights or sparks in the dark uh, at night. Some believe that the lights are signals used by bootleggers during the uh, prohibition of uh, the U.S. immigration for smuggling operations related to the Mexican border. The only problem with these uh, two explanations is that sightings have been going on long before after the time constricted by the events described above so basically what they're saying there is that these lights have been reported way before prohibition was ever thought of okay here's another explanation another explanation is um is that the fireballs indicate the location of buried treasures there are stories that support its later theory of buried treasures. One of these stories tells of a young man who found many gold nuggets in a in a gully within the uh, Alflamia with the uh, within the mountains. 
and another man by the name of George Benton found a uh, boulder or a rock weighing a ton that contained gold he found in the boulder in the uh, same mountains. Pretty wild stuff, man. Got some more stories to talk about. Mm. This one is called... This one is the eight-foot skeleton. If you find yourself out late in the desert night, somewhere between superstition, uh, superstitious mountains and uh, 17 palms, you may see the apparition of an eight-foot skeleton with, lantern, with a lantern in his chest. A prospector by the name of Charlie Arizona first saw the ghost about four miles southeast of uh, Barrigo. It was a dark and it was a dark night. It was a dark night, and he had already set up camp and was sitting down for the end for the night. Not long after Charlie turned turned in for the night, something disturbing disturbed his uh, burrows, and he went to investigate. Suddenly, he saw a large human skeleton with a lantern light shining through its ribs. The skeleton walked in a crazy fashion, and it was looking for something or as if it was uh, lost. Shortly after, Charlie, si Charlie sighted the skeleton. It disappeared over a small ridge. About two years later, two prospectors had a similar experience while camping in the superstitious mountains. They caught sight of a flittering light in the distance, and wondered what it was. It quickly disappeared. One of the prospectors thought it looked like a skeleton carrying a lantern, but they figured it it was the uh, fire reflecting off the rock. The two prospectors uh, didn't do much of the uh, innocent until a year later when a traveler came into the uh, Velocito station with the tail of a skeleton he saw wandering in the desert carrying a lantern. It was a long it wasn't long before news of the skeleton got around and two adventurers went into the desert to search for the legendary skeleton ghost. During their third night in the desert they encountered the ghostly uh, lit skeleton. One of the men one of the men shot at it with a gun, but the skeleton continued on un, uh, unfazed by the gunfire. The two men followed the skeleton for three miles as if it wandered and uh, stranged around and uh, just like it was looking for something. Then they lost it over the ridges through the valleys before they lost track of it completely. Many believe that the skeleton is the ghost of a prospector who discovered a work, who discovered and worked the uh, phantom mine, which has been lost for many years. The skeleton is no better off than the rest of us. Here for two. Oh, for he too continues to search for the lost phantom mine. Wandering the dark deserts nights looking for his first or looking for his final resting place. Yabba gabba. All right, I'm going to take a quick little break, and we will be right back, guys, to tell some more stories. 
everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is it, some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Corner. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline. Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, baby. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dined with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politic bullshit... <coughs> Come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So, I'll see you later. Bye. Hello. Sorry for that slurping. It just took a big old drink. All right. Our next story is the ghost dancer of Yaga of Yaga Well. Not far from the. Uh, not far from the Phantom Mine lies another place where skeletons have been seen. During the warm summer nights when the moon is full, ghosts dance, ghosts dance at Yogi Well, of Yaga Well, I'm sorry. The ghosts are said to be the spirits of three immigrants who were traveling from Yuma to California in search of a shorter route through the desert. The immigrants immigrants arrived at Yaga Well exhausted and near death from lack of food and water. One of the three travelers drank from, drank from the well as much water as he could hold. He died shortly thereafter. The two men also drank from the well but survived. While moving their uh, dead body, their... Uh, while moving their decomposing bodies, the other two noticed some rock. Oh, some rock specimens that fell out of his pockets. 
The two men were excited to discover the rocks contained gold, but they did not know where the friend had found the uh, samples. The two men became very excited about the gold, and excited soon turned into a frenzy of killing each other. No, I'm just kidding. Of green and distrut. Of greed and distrut. The two men began to struggle until one finally drowned the other in the uh, muddy water of the Yuga Well. An Indian watched these events unfold from a nearby hill. The Indian felt it was safe to talk to the one man who had survived, but the immigrant was still so excited as he described his story to the Indian. He entered a state of frenzy and ran off into the desert yelling, Gold! Gold! It is during the hot summer nights of a full moon that three immigrants return to to the Yuga Well. One rises out of the muddy waters of of the uh, Yuga Well. One emerges from the bushes nearby, and the third arrives in a cool breeze out of the wash. The ghosts join hands in circle Yuga Well in a dance. Soon after the uh, twirling begins, they disappear, leaving only the good waters of the well and a uh, slight chill in the air. That's some creepy fucking shit. I don't think I want to go see that well. Here's the Valacito Station. I don't know why that's just starting out. Oh, okay. The most well-known ghost story... That's kind of funny. We just got through talking about a well, the best, best well-known, <laughs> the best well-known ghost story of Velisto of Velisto is about the lady in white. Oh my God, another freaking lady in white! Come on, man. I mean, if you wanna, if you're gonna be a ghost after you die or something, could y'all please at least be another different color of lady? The lady in black, the lady in yellow, the lady in blue. But it's always a lady in white. I guess because death is just so dark and white and gray. I don't know. Okay, where well, Lady in white. Late in the 1850s, a young girl from the east arrived by stagecoach at Valisato. She was one. Of, she was on her way to Sacramento to meet her lover. He had struck it rich in the uh, diggings. She was a frail young woman worn with a hardship of travel and an ill from uh, improper food excuse me in doubtful water she was carried from the uh, couch and put to bed in the back bedroom and given the best care available but nothing could save her and her fight was a lo- uh, lo- uh, losing one i'm sorry about that a lot a lot uh, lo- it was a losing one her journey, be- her journey came to an end in the dark bedroom of Felicito Station, or Felicito Stage Station. <coughs> her baggage, uh, her baggage was examined, and a brand new white dress was found in it. It was decorated with uh, lace, with lace swern, uh, with oh, it had lace. And it had with a fine, and it was done with a fine seam too. And it was to have been her wedding dress. 
They dressed her in the dress, buried her in the uh, Campo Santo, a few hundred feet east of the uh, station. They thought they had put her to rest, but not. But on moonlit nights, why is it moonlit nights? On moonlit nights, she has been seen uh, down through the years, walking uh, rec- walking rec- walking restlessly about the station. She uh, harms no one. But her presence is described is disturbing even through most uh, people that see her. Even the non-believers are like, "Oh God, that's a ghost." And that's it for uh, for that area. That area, I think, was covering uh, a lot of Arizona. I think Arizona or Nevada, somewhere around there. I think I'm not for sure. <sighs> All right, I got a couple more. Now, this is about, I believe this is all Arizona. All right. Yes, this is uh, Tombstone, Arizona. Well, Arizona. Okay, we got, we're going to start out in Arizona with the Dragon Mountain. Between the dragons in the town of uh, Wilcock, Arizona, a phantom train makes its track across the plains. The phantom locomotive has been both seen and heard by scores of people throughout the years. See, that would be cool too, man. I've only seen that in movies. That'd be like crazy as shit to see that in real life. Trouble is, there never was a train that ran its parts and there is uh, no track. It is known as the Phantom Train of Dragon. Dragon. Why am I saying that like that? Dragon, not Dragon. Wow, that's crazy. So, that uh, Dragon Mountains has a, a Phantom Ghost uh, train and nobody knows why. Oh, God. Okay, cool. Here we got the Legend of the Lady in Blue, not White. What was that? Okay, here we go. The Legend of the Lady in Blue. Of all the tales of lost treasures, ghosts, and unexpected lights, and apparitions, spirit horses, and unsolved mysteries, and disappearances across the Southwest, the legend of Mariah Jose de Agarito, the fabled Lady in Blue, or Blue Nun, Seriously ranks among the most coveted in her in her country's province of Swara. She nevertheless reported traveled by the by spirit, a phantom called biologic location or teleportation by the church, to minister to Indians in Arizona, New Mexico, and Western Texas. She felt an enduring mark on the. Uh, on the folklore of the desert. So she uh, haunts the desert because she was uh, basically she was a nun, I think, I and working at a mission and, you know, trying to turn the Indians into Christians, which they shouldn't have done. But anyways, that's for another podcast. 
All right, now I got the Bisbee place. It is located in copper in the copper mining town of Bisbee. Duh. The Clawson House Inn claims for ghosts. Mrs. Clawson is said to haunt the grounds, as well as three miners who were murdered at the murdered at the small town in the 1890s. Besides the Clawson's ghost. The Oliver House Bed and Breakfast is the residence of five spirits. Originally, the main office is a building. What are y'all doing? Stop it. Quit. Missy. Sorry, guys. Uh, where was I? Clawson Oliver House Bed and Breakfast. Five spirits, originally a mining uh, mine office. This building became a a, board, a boarding house in colorful history uh, of the town. So if you're ever there in Bisbee, go check out them places. Here we have Jeremy, Arizona. There is a good reason that Jeremy is known as a ghost town. A number of buildings in the town are haunted. So if you are up for a day of uh, ghost haunting, this is where you need to go. The uh, the United Verda Hospital on Cypress on Cypress Hill is uh, lo- is loaded with apparitions and unexpected unexpected noises, moans, and other frightening sounds reverb their reverb through the hallways, and ghostly images figures float through the corridors. Philip Dodge. Mine near uh, Jeremy State Jeremiah State uh, Historical Park is home to Headless Charles, the ghost of a miner who apparently lost his head. The community center has so many, so many ghosts that is locally known as a as Spook Hall. The old company clinic house is the ghost of a former patients, doctors, and nurses. And often just around dusk, a phantom spirit as seen standing in the doorway of the old uh, church. And this is in Phoenix. In 1928, a 20-year-old, a 22-year-old Leon Jensen distraught over a broken love, over uh, the broken love affair, jumped uh, to her death from the roof of the new St. Carlos Hotel at North Central Avenue. Her white floating... Oh, her... Do what now? Her white floating... Okay. They say uh, she jumped to her death after that because of a... Her boyfriend dumped her, basically. And she jumped, and they say she still haunts the location. And the sounds of laughing children come from the uh, within the rooms, too. And they say a lot of it's unexplained and stuff. There have been reports of, you know, like that and kids dying there. So it makes a lot of sense there, fellies. And then we got Separation Mountain. The most famous Lost Dutchman's Mind. I know everyone's had to hear about that. There's a lot of spooky stuff covering that thing. That'd be a good thing to cover. Of the Lost Dutchman's Mind is countless stories and legends of not only... Prospectors searching for gold, 
but the early Spanish explorers, Mexicans, in the quest for uh, treasures of the Thunder God. Their, their apparition, uh, say, lives in a cave of gold. More than 75 people have lost their lives searching for the lost Dutchman's mind. Through the uh, years, some of, the, some of them tragically are involving murder. Ghosts are bound in the uh, suspensions, suspicions too. So if you want to go around there, you go to uh, Suspicious Mountains. I know I've kind of heard about them. That's a pretty, that's, they got a lot of cool stories and historical stuff there. Pretty cool place to check out. I never checked it out, but I've done some uh, reading and stuff on it. Pretty cool place. The Riolette in Nevada. The ghost of Tom Kelly ha- Tom Kelly has been in the uh, bottle house of the once parsupious per- mining town turned ghost town, Riolette, <coughs> Riolette, Nevada. Several other uh, spooks make their uh, presence known here at times, especially around the empty vault at the uh, old ruins of the Cook Bank building. Rowlett is apparently 85 miles northwest of Las Vegas. In the, it's an old mining town, so you know they're going to have a butt-ton of hauntings there. A buttload. All right, guys, we got one more story. This is called the Mapia uh, Silent Zone, and this is in Mexico. And it's also known as the Lazana del Salariso in the Sea of Thetis. The uh, Silent Zone is a stretch of desert in Durango, Mexico, with an Enamic re- reputation, similar to the similar to the Bermuda Triangle, the Silent Zone is known for strange phenomenons, including radio malfunctions, uh, mounted wi- uh, muted wild mutilated wildlife, uh, meter impacts, and reports of uh, externally activities. The alien vis- visitors are described as tall and blonde-haired. When encountered, they supposedly asked for water and flurry Spanish. Spanish, then they disappear without a trace. The silent zone is known as a hotbed of UFO activity. The reports of flying figures, fireballs, and spheres of glowing light. The zone earned its name in the 1960s 60s when oil company... Pemex found a scouting expedition. Oh, they funded a scouting expedition. The oil company's team was uh, experienced constant constant radio problems and equipment malfunctions, leading leading them to dub the area the uh, zone of silence. It has remained a curiously. It is. Okay. Okay. It is uh, 
been kind of a. It's not. It wasn't really in the main news or anything until nineteen till nineteen seventy, when the United States rocket a United States rocket crashed in the zone, and famed rocket scientist uh, von Bruno led the uh, led the investigation in recovering the uh, efforts. The incident stu- uh, st- stoked interest in the uh, silent zone and led the Mexican government to establish the uh, MIPTI bio-search uh, research and uh, stuff around there. So that's kind of cool. It's kind of like Mexico's version of the uh, Bermuda, Tri- Bermuda Triangle. And sorry if I butchered some of them stories up uh, tonight, guys. I was trying really hard. No, but that's it for tonight, guys. I want to thank you for listening again. Sorry I'm late. I was just busy the other day. I had a research ready to go, but I was just very, very busy. But I'm glad you guys stuck around. Glad you guys were here to uh, here to uh, listen with me and have some fun and get a little scared. But I'm going to get out of here as late. I'm still going to edit this and get it ready to put on for you guys. Don't forget on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. You do the same thing. Listen to the auto part of this, guys. Don't forget we're on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. Go to our Facebook page, Ghost Stories Told from the South. I want to say thank you again to everybody. My numbers are getting bigger and bigger. It's just a, like a slow snowball going down a hill. It's just gathering speed, gathering, and I love it, guys. So keep it up. Like I said, this is not a hobby for me. This is my job. I want to do it permanently, so give me some five-star reviews. That's what keeps the lights on. And uh, you can do that on Spotify, too. You can uh, just tell me what you think. Keep listening, guys. And, um, hey, I'm glad you're listening, and I thank you, and I love you all. But it's been fun. But if you have been listening to this, this is Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth. And I hope we had a great, great skinny time. But I will see you guys later. Bye.